0: Good morning, everyone. We have a very special guest with us. Uh, His name is Liam, and he is on the very back row this morning, but this is his first time in church, I believe. He was born a little bit earlier than mom and dad expected, um, but he is with us today. So if you all can just say, "Welcome, welcome, Liam. Liam, I hope you feel warm and welcome, This well, warm and welcome this morning. It's good to have you guys here with us. There's an artist. Uh, he's passed away tragically. His name was Rich Mullins. Anyone ever heard of Rich Mullins? The artist loved Rich. Uh, if you don't know Rich, he he was from Indiana, by the way. Um, he was sort of, I think, hit his stride in the '90s. I like to think of him as sort of a Christian Appalachian Bruce Springsteen kind of artist. Um, sort of gritty, gritty lyrics. Uh, he has this one song that I just love, "Land of My Sojourn." If you know Rich, you might remember this song. But in the the song, he talks about um, his experience in America, and they, of course, they travel around. And as he's traveling, he's writing, and he talks about the contrast between, you know, the gritty, like dusty uh, coal fields or coal mines, and the and the coal trucks, and and then the shiny sort of East Coast skyscrapers and casinos. And he talks about the challenge of the uh, sort of the. Image Immigrant experience in America, and you might think that, that his songs were sort of a critique of America, but you couldn't be more wrong. They were these, these songs were just love letters to this land that he called the land of his soldier, and here's, here's some of the lyrics that I, I love. He says this, nobody tells you when you get born here how much you'll come to love it, and how you'll never belong here. So I call you my country, and I'll be lonely for my home, and I will sing your song here in the land of my sojourn. I love that word sojourn, sojourner. A sojourner is someone who, who, who never really has a permanent home. They keep moving, and so the land of sojourn is this, this place of, of temporary residence. You're not here long. Reminds me of those exiles in Babylon. There's this beautiful, beautiful psalm that's written. And and in the psalm, these exiles ask this question. How can we sing the songs of Zion, the songs of our homeland, in a place of exile? They say, how can we sing the songs of Zion, even at these beautiful rivers that flow through Babylon, as beautiful as this place is, it's not a home. Rob's teaching through the book of Nehemiah on Wednesday nights, and, and Nehemiah is the son of these exiles. He was raised in Babylon. In fact, he was, he was raised and grew to a, to a level of prominence in Babylon, and yet he knows that Babylon is not really his home. It's his place of sojourn, and when... When family members come from Jerusalem, he doesn't, he doesn't spend time showing them the delights of Babylon. He asks them, what's going on in Jerusalem? What's going on at my home? A place he, he very likely had never stepped foot into, but yet that was his home. Today we're talking about this place that we've not stepped foot into yet, but it's our true home. If you've got your Bibles and want to turn with me to the book of Revelation, it's the very last book in your Bible, and you're going to turn to Revelation chapter 21, which is close to the last chapter of the book of Revelation. So Revelation 21 and verses 1 and 3 read this way. It's this description of our true home. John, the writer, says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea, nothing that separated nations and peoples from each other. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. He describes it this way prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And then, what is perhaps one of my favorite passages when it comes to talking about heaven. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we open your word and we think about heaven, God, may our hearts and minds be stirred to think about it more. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So today is the last day of our 52-week series of Core 52, and those of you who were with us at the very beginning, I don't know about you, but I secretly suspected that Jesus would return before we finished this 52-week series. <laughs> How many of you, are you guys with me? Like, I did not think we would see the end of it, but today is the last day. We're at week 52, and we are talking about heaven. The last couple of weeks have been some of my favorites, though. I got to tell you why. They've all been very practical. Like, I love talking about the esoteric ideas, but I really can sink my teeth into practical stuff. So just, I'm thinking over the last couple of weeks, we've, we've talked about worry, how many of us deal with worry, and how to practically keep it from overwhelming and controlling us. Great, great lessons from God's word there. We've looked at ways to be and find a spiritual mentor, people that can influence us and that we can pour into as well. We've looked at how to study the Bible, how to get as much from God's word as we possibly can, practical ways to do that. And then last week, one of my favorites, we studied perseverance. What does it mean to just have stick-to-itiveness, grit, to just be determined that no matter what, we're going to keep going till the end? I need grit. How many of you guys need a little more grit in your life? We give up too easy, don't we? so with all the practical stuff that we've been talking about you might think well why why are we now ending on heaven that seems like the furthest from down to earth practicality but for me at least thinking about heaven is sometimes the most practical thing i can do when it comes to dealing with the things of earth Understanding heaven helps me understand the world I live in. So it's good that we spend time talking about heaven. If you don't agree with me, then maybe you'll agree with Paul, who in uh, Colossians chapter 3 writes this. He says, Colossians, since you guys have all been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven not the things of earth. In other words, at the very least, guys, think about heaven more than you think about earth. It's good advice. When I was growing up, it was kind of easier. One, I was younger, and I didn't have that many stresses in my life. It was a pretty good life. Plus, church helped. We would go to church, and the preacher would preach about heaven a lot. Well, let's be honest. He preached about hell more than he preached about heaven. But he did preach about heaven a lot, and we sang songs about heaven. Heaven. Remember this one? When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Sing it with me. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. How about this one? In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, We shall meet on that beautiful shore. The choruses were very simple back then, weren't they? I like this one. Farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why cheer up my brother live in the sunshine we'll understand it all by and by how many guys remember that one farther along (gasps) i love farther along and of course we can't miss i'll fly away oh glory i'll fly away When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Those songs, I mean, even now, they sort of sound old-fashioned to my ears, but they were so useful in sort of instructing my heart and my mind to think about heaven. It trained me to think about heaven. Thinking and, and talking and putting and setting my mind on heaven reminds me, and it reminds me that I am not home yet. We all need need that reminder. In, In Rich's song about America, he says this, man, no one tells you how much you'll come to love it and how you'll never really belong here. Thinking about heaven reminds me that I am not home yet. The writer to the Hebrews writes this in Hebrews chapter 13. says, this world is not our permanent home. Instead, we're looking forward to a home yet to come. As a kid, my dad's job took us many places, and we lived, we sojourned for three years in Germany. I love living there. I absolutely love living there, but I knew that I would never truly belong there. It was never my home. I may sojourn in Germany, but my home is in America or Indiana or, let's be honest, Springville. That's my home. For those of us who have trusted Jesus for our salvation, our first allegiance is not the country and the land of our sojourn. Our first allegiance is to our eternal home. Philippians chapter 3 says this says we are citizens that's how that's how Paul describes us we are citizens of heaven where the lord jesus christ lives and we're eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior when we came back moved back from germany we flew into chicago the plane was filled with us and the rest were all germans uh, lots of German tourist people coming who were working in the U.S., but they come in. And, uh, and when we landed in Chicago, of course, when you come in from a, another country, you have to go through passport control. Here's a picture of the passports that, that, uh, that, that you would see there at the airport back in that day. You recognize this one over here. They both have eagles. I just noticed that the other day. Um, but this, was the, this is the German or the European Union passport specifically for Germany. Uh, both of them are passports. When you get to Chicago and you get off the plane, you are, you are herded into two separate lines. The first one is for blue passport holders, uh, Americans. And the second line is for basically anyone else. Everyone else goes in that line. Now, if you're in, in the red passport line, then you're going to get some questions when you get there. There are going to be questions like, okay, what is your business here in the U.S.? How long are you staying? Where are you traveling to? But for U.S. passport holders, in general, you're going to only get this from the passport control agent. Welcome home, Mr. Thompson. This is where you belong. Your passport gives you entry into this country. The Bible says that one day you and I will be accepted into heaven on the basis of our spiritual passport. The day that we accepted Jesus, we were redeemed and cleansed by his blood, and we were given a new identity and a new name. In fact, our names were written in the citizenship roles of heaven, the Lamb's Book of Life. Ephesians tells us that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. That's the privileges that we have as, as redeemed children of God, passport holders into heaven. We have citizenship in heaven because we're believers. And our homecoming, our entry into that good country is guaranteed by our salvation, sealed with the blood of Jesus. Talking about heaven reminds me that I'm not home yet. The second thing thinking and talking about heaven is just for me it's thinking about heaven reassures me that god is in control i tell you i'm not the only one in this room right now that 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 understands that we live in a broken and unsettling word, world these days but thinking about heaven reassures me <laughs> that i can trust the king of heaven over the unsettledness and brokenness of the world because he is in control of everything I told you I'd, I'd really had no idea when I moved to Germany how much I would love it I loved everything I loved the German culture I loved the festivals I love the architecture oh my word I love the, the 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 landscape you go down to the southern Germany and the Bavarian area and the mount just gorgeous Even the food, now I know there are many people that disagree with me, but even the food I think is amazing. I love German food. Now, Germany has its fair share of problems. It it does now and it did then. They have sort of an interesting immigrant issue that's different than ours, but similar to ours. They have some economic issues. They had then, they do now. But to be honest, at that stage of my life as a young kid, I didn't know what those problems were. And if I had known, I did not lose Any sleep over them because honestly, I'm a sojourner in that country. I didn't have to solve the issues of the land of my sojourn. The truth is that the land of our sojourn has problems, always has, always will. But I love the fact that Jesus gave me some very clear instructions on how to address the problems in the land of my sojourn. One, he says, trust in me. And how that works out is this. He tells his disciples how to think and process the stuff that's going on around them. And here's what he says in Matthew 6, 9. He says, you should pray. Pray. Man, Tim, I thought this was going to be a practical sermon. It is. Jesus says, pray. He says, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, ruler and sovereign over everything, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are so many broken places in our world, things that are messed up that don't work the way they are supposed to. And so what do we do? We entrust them to our Father in heaven, and we pray that the values of heaven become real on earth. I had lunch with Jason Terrell this week, and he said something really interesting. He was talking about another topic entirely, but he says, you know, sometimes we can be the answer to our own prayer. And I'm like, that is really good. We can be the answer to our own prayer. And so when we pray, Father in heaven, your will be done on earth as is in heaven, he says, that's right. That's right. You can be the answer to this prayer. Well, how do we do that? Very simply. We do good wherever we can. And we keep our mind on heaven more than on earth. We don't get sucked into earth stuff. Think about the conversations you have this week, the things that made you stressed or angry, the things that kept you awake at night or kept you just simply from experiencing joy. Can you think of something like that? Can you get your head in that spot and you remember, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that really got me unsettled? Was it about the things of heaven or was it about the things of earth? you're like me, I suspect it was about earth. Earth is a temporary place of sojourn for us. So I'm going to pray that you simply pray the values of heaven over the issues and the problems of the place of our sojourn and entrust those concerns to the king of all the earth, not just your place of sojourn. Knowing that the king of heaven oversees the land of my sojourn reassures me. Thinking about heaven excites me. You get excited talking about heaven? Last week, we looked at um, those saints who persevered. We talked about perseverance. Those saints of old who persevered, and we looked at, we looked at Hebrews chapter 11, and we talked about Abraham and Sarah and Moses and all of those guys who, who proved their faith by sticking to it and keeping going. Here's, here's, here's what, here's what uh, the, the writer of Hebrews said. He says, all of them live with this understanding that they're sojourners on their way to what he calls in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16 a better country, can you say that with me? A better country, a heavenly one. Here's how he says, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I love cities, some of you, hate cities. I get it. I get it. Cities oftentimes are an absolute mess, but there's so much really cool stuff in cities, so much opportunity, so much potential, so many things to do and see. I love a good city. I love going to Indianapolis. I love going to Chicago. I love going to New York. Now, I'll be honest with you. I am never in those cities without keeping an eye (laughs) all around me. Like I know stuff can go down pretty quick in cities uh, you got to be smart when you're in a city. You think about Chicago. You think about Indianapolis and the and violent crime. Think about graft, traffic. Oh my word, that's one reason to avoid a city. It's the traffic. But the city that God is preparing for us is not like that at all. Lots of people. The scriptures indicate lots of potential. Lots of wonderful things to do and see and hear and be part of, but all of it is centered around this idea that it is is done according to the perfect will of God, a city that Jesus is preparing for us. In Matthew, Jesus is talking to disciples about heaven. Um... And he sort of describes what happens in Chicago at the airport where you get the two passport lines. He says this in Matthew 25, verse 34. It says, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. While hell was prepared for the devil, heaven was prepared for God's people, his church, He's been working on it since the creation of the world. That's a long time. That's longer than they've been working on New York or Chicago. When I think about what God is preparing for me, I get excited. I think, what in the world is it going to be like? And you can read through Scripture some beautiful description, descriptions, some snapshots, if you will, that John gives us of what heaven looks like and what heaven is like. But I I go back to Ecclesiastes, a long way back in the Bible. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, the writer of Ecclesiastes says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has set eternity in the human heart. I love that. Do we have that scripture up there? I love that scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time and he has set eternity in the human heart. For me, that, that points to this idea that God has given us a little snapshot. Anyone here like to look at Zillow? the real estate ads? Am I the only one that, that, that finds myself trolling through Zillow at 2 o'clock in the morning looking at any, any and every house available for sale? Most that I am completely uninterested in, but I'm very uh, eager to see what that house looks like inside. I love Zillow. They'll give you little snapshots there. Here's the truth. Whoever takes those snapshots they're really good photographers, first of all, and they're sneaky because they only take the best snapshots. (laughs) When you actually walk through the house, you're like, "Uh, this place is a wreck, but the pictures look amazing. But that's not how it is with heaven. The snapshots we get are small, but the pictures we get are a thousand billion times better in real life. And so when I think about the snapshots that God has implanted in my heart, I think about those moments where the, where, the, where, the, where, the, where the distance between the here and the hereafter is really thin, and in those thin moments, you get to see something up close about heaven. So I have this memory of childhood. I was probably about 10, maybe 10 or 11, and we're in my grandmother's front yard, side yard. There's a swing set up on the hill. There's a couple of beech trees. Our bear our feet are bare. And if you've ever run across sort of those little beech nuts that are laying in the grass under a beech tree, you know that little tender 10-year-old feet go ouch 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 when you run across those. But the pain of on my the, my bare feet is completely swallowed up. <laughs> in the joy of the rest of the memory, because I'm hanging out with my cousins, we're running around in the yard, my grandmother and my aunts and uncles, I think think there's a lot of us there because because there's so many of my cousins there, and and they're doing something, they're, they're, they're shucking corn, and then my grandmother in my picture, and I remember this, is cutting the corn off the cob and putting it in a big bowl, and she's gonna put that in the pressure cooker and can that. And so this is the moment that I've got and sort of captured right there as like a snapshot, as a Polaroid of this moment. And my grandmother is young, she didn't seem so at the time, but I look back and go, oh, my word, she was so young, and she's got brown hair, and she's laughing, and she's willing this big butcher knife, and I'm just certain she's going to cut a finger off at some point. My Aunt Barbara's there, and she's teasing us kids, and, and Grandma's saying, Barbara, you've got to stay focused, she, and she's running around. My Aunt Wanda's there, and Wanda's being bossy and telling everyone how to do everything. That memory, for me, is a snapshot of heaven. It's that moment where I look back and go, I had no idea how perfect that moment was. And it's like that little line between the here and the hereafter was just so shimmery thin. Jesus says all the time, he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. And when I think about those moments, I go, it was. It was so near in that moment, and we didn't. We didn't realize it at the time, but now I go, that to me is the perfect snapshot of what heaven is. It's a picture of eternity that I carry in my heart. I carry other snapshots. Maybe you do too. Maybe you can think of a memory that you go, this, it was, it was, it was imperfect, but, but wildly perfect in its imperfection. I had this moment I've talked about where I, I had this deep moment of communion with God where I felt like I literally heard God speak to me. It, it's really only happened one time that I can say with assurance was God, but that moment reminds me of that promise that God is going to dwell among us, and that 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 immediacy to that moment is a snapshot of heaven for me. I've been in places, you have too, in the natural world where we look at this, the beauty surrounding us and we go, if if it's so beautiful here this fuzzy cloudy place where we see through a glass darkly can you imagine how amazing it's going to be when we see without without the fuzzy filter and we see face to face I have this memory that didn't happen it's me meeting my grandfather it never happened he died a, a, several months before I was born but for me that snapshot there's a snapshot in my planted in my heart of me meeting my Grandpa Roy. I'm named after him, so I feel like we have a connection beyond just grand, grandparent and grandson. But, but that snapshot of something that's not even really happened yet is in my heart and points me to eternity, to a reality that is more real than the real here. Because you see, in heaven, we're not going to be disembodied spirits just floating around. Ooh, no. No. We're real people doing real things, eating real meals and drinking really good drinks and and enjoying life and traveling and experiencing and discovering new things and doing work, work that has real purpose and meaning, and then playing with absolute abandon barefoot under beech trees. It's going to be amazing. It's exactly as God intended this life to be. I'm convinced of that you know i've heard sean green and tom say that the the best way they think about heaven is think about what's not there you know think about death and suffering Mm, not there funeral homes doctors offices nope not there gossiping backbiting Mm -mm, not there no more painful words spoken no more abuse there'll be no more addiction or cancer or arthritis or or rotator cuff issues nah no more mental illness oh my grandmother died with dementia, (laughs) and though my picture of her is so much bigger than that moment, I am so looking forward to seeing her again where she knows who I am. No more anger or fear of failure, no hidden agendas, no betrayals, no more thinking to ourselves, this isn't right. It's not supposed to be this way, none of that. Instead, as someone put it, it's it's Easter morning. (laughs) Easter morning everywhere, all the time, everything being renewed, being just as exactly as it's supposed to be, and yet somehow getting better every day. Thinking about heaven excites me. How about you? And then I think about heaven, and it consoles me. Thinking about heaven is deep consolation for me. That last part of Revelation 24, 21, verse 4 says this, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Ah, heaven, heaven consoles me. The thought of heaven consoles me, gives me hope even in my grief. Paul reminded the Thessalonians that because of the promise of heaven and being with the Lord, we can grieve with hope. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting with Patty Bennett. Patty lost her mother a couple of months ago. And we were talking about that. It still seems very fresh to me. We were sitting in her living room, and she goes, Mom was so sweet. She had such a a precious sense of humor. I said, And I listened to her talk and I said, Patty, you know, you you talk about that as if that's all in the past. But but my understanding of death from the scriptures is that if she had a sense of humor, (laughs) she's got a sense of humor now. And if she was sweet, well, she's still sweet. In fact... Being in the presence of God, if anything, has made her sense of humor even better because there's fullness of joy in the presence of God, and even sweeter because she's with Jesus. Patty said, I still feel her presence sometimes. And I don't think I said anything in that moment. I think it took me a while because I thought about that for a while, and I don't know, I was driving down Fifth Street or something, I'm thinking, Why wouldn't you feel her presence if she is more alive now in the presence of Jesus with the veil gone and the shadows and filters removed, if the vibrancy of her life is so much greater now than it was then, if she is more than she ever was here now that she is with the Lord, then why wouldn't? (laughs) <laughs> the vibrancy of her life shimmer and shake and begin to vibrate and that veil between the here and the hereafter begin to ripple as her life has even greater gravity and force. Why wouldn't you feel her presence? Now you say, Tim, you're crazy. I, I am. I am. But I don't think I'm alone. Billy Graham said this, and I heard this years ago, but I think it's so good He said this, someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I'll have just changed my address. (laughs) Patty's mother no longer sits all day and all night in that recliner in her living room. No, 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 no. She's changed addresses, but she is more alive now than she was then. And Billy Graham says, I've just changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. And this is why Paul writes to the Thessalonians this way. He says, brothers and sisters, this is why we do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. No, we grieve with hope. Heaven consoles us. At the very end of his song about America, Rich Mullins ends with this. So I will sing your song here in the land of my sojourn. I gotta ask, are you singing the Lord's song here in the land of your sojourn? Like Nehemiah and those exiles, can you you sit beside the rivers of Babylon And sing the songs of Zion? That's what we're called to do. Would you like to be able to do that? If so, the first step is responding to the invitation of Jesus to walk into a new way of life. We don't do this often, but I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And if you want to to invite Jesus to take control of your life, then pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I have tried to fit into this world to make it my home, but but I've done it by keeping you out of my life. And I'm beginning to realize that I was made for something more. I was made for a better country. So today, I want to open my heart and I want to open my life to you. So I renounce my allegiances to this world and I commit myself to you I gratefully receive salvation that only you can offer, and I'm ready to trust you with everything I am and everything I dream about being. In short, I want to become who you've created me to be. But it only is possible because of you. So I thank you for bearing my sins and bearing the weight of them and and offering your life in exchange for mine and giving me through your sacrifice the gift of eternal life. So come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Be my Savior, and help me by your Spirit to make you my Lord. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are now a citizen of heaven. You've got a new passport. It's red. It's covered by the blood of Jesus. And now to begin to walk as a citizen of heaven, there's some things I'm going to ask you to do. One, be baptized. Being baptized says to everyone else, hey, I belong to heaven. I am a citizen of a different place now. We've got shorts and t-shirts ready to go. We've got towels. We can baptize you this afternoon if you want to be baptized. You just talk to me after the service. We can make that happen. But the second thing is this, share a meal with us we're getting ready to share a meal right now it's not mashed potatoes and fried chicken it's a little cup of juice and a little piece of bread and those two things are a snapshot of heaven it's a way for us to to honor and remember eternity right here in this service the bread we eat the juice we drink are symbols of a meal that Jesus shared with his disciples right before he was betrayed and and crucified. And he says, I am not going to eat this meal with you until I am in my Father's kingdom, and not just me, but you all as well. When we, when everyone is finally and fully and forever home where they belong. So when I take the bread and when I take the cup, I think of heaven, and it brings me joy. Thinking about heaven brings me joy. How about you? Let's pray. Father, this morning, we've talked about that forever home that we have with you that you're preparing for us. This meal is, is a little bit like an RSVP. We're saying, yes, we, we plan on being there. Our intention is that we're going to show up and have this meal with you finally and forever in our forever home. So as we take the bread, we take the cup. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.